Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, we continue in our series, Pause. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor, Antoine Lasseter. So, one of the things that we are um, embarking on um, is creating rhythms that we just take small breaks. Um, if you ever, if you ever um, uh, needed to hear God, like there was something pressing, and maybe it was a decision, or maybe it was something that just, it, you needed God to intervene. And so uh, during those moments, Erica, it's like we miraculously have the time to like seek after God, to pray, to, to, to you know, uh, look through the pages of Scripture, uh, and some uh, go back to old messages. Um, it's amazing what we make time for when trouble comes. It, it, it amazes me. I'm just talking about me now. How focused I become when I feel like my back is up against the wall. It's amazing how we can shut out everything. Like, we don't have a problem with uh, our favorite Netflix show being paused. Our whole priority shifts. It's amazing what desperation causes the believer. And as we journey together, I'm realizing that what would happen if the people of God would have regular intervals of pauses? Not because things are wrong or things are bad, but they're creating habits. We're creating habits that we just sit in his presence. Every day. Not because we call a fast not because we want God to move on closing of the house. Not because we want to grow our church. Not because there's a specific thing we want God to do. We just want to be in relationship with him. And the last time I checked, the people that you want to be in relationship with, you spend time with. So what happens Even in the middle or the opening of your message, you just give people time to just pause. That we're singing about Holy Spirit come, and sometimes, man, the the familiarity of the songs causes us just to enter in. But what would happen if we actually thought about what we were singing? What would happen if um, we just blocked out everything and actually paused? Legalism is knowing God, but worship is adoring him. And so I know you know him, know about him, but do you still adore him? That's what pausing is. So I, I, just, I just want you to close your eyes and just Pause. Amen. Now, if you're much like me, who uh, my wife tells me to stop saying this, but I got ADD like nobody's business. 
And so sometimes when I was doing pausing this week, it always starts off like very focused for like the first three seconds. I'm all in. And then I hear a door slam. Why are they slamming doors? And so um, as we uh, take our time to uh, methodically go through Psalms 23 um, and researching and preparing and praying for this message, I found this poem that um, someone wrote, which is the antithesis of Psalms 23. Check this out. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It maketh me lie down only when exhausted. It leadeth me into deep depression, and it hounds my soul. It leadeth me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done. For my idea is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me. Beyond the limits of my schedule, the, they anointed my head with migraines. My inbox overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. That's where some of us are right now that we are so frustrated in our daily routines that even the thought of getting our lives back seemed foreign. And this is the people of God. So pausing is abiding for the believer. To pause is to give ourselves time, time to process, because if not, we will repeat what we do not repair. So those broken things in my life, if I don't pause enough, then what I'm going to do is keep passing it on. Daniel chapter 720, chapter 725. That's 725 chapters in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Um, the scripture says that the evil one will wear out the saints. I want you to think about that for a moment. To wear out is to afflict and handle roughly. And this is not just persecution, um, but some of us are so busy, so busy. Everything is so scheduled that we have no room for margin. And without pausing, you can't and won't get the life that God intended you and I to have. Because on this side of glory, everything wears down. When you are worn out, that makes you more vulnerable. And things begin to fall apart. And this slowly makes its way into our souls. Tires wear out. The oil needs to be changed. The clothes wear down, wear out. Everything eventually wears out and down. And so does the soul. And the enemy knows this. And so we are in relentless pursuit of productivity. Getting things done by any means necessary. Meeting deadlines. And we become possessive 
with time to the point that we begin to idolize success. Pausing allows us to know that God is always good and he always knows what's good for me. Pausing. And there are moments when we need to hit the pause button. There's so much noise and there's too many appointments. Our calendars are filled with activity and we're literally stewarding ourselves to burnout. And many of us are just waiting for the next vacation. But if we don't take daily pauses in our lives, you won't be able to enjoy the vacation. I've gone on vacation and came back tired. Can't be the only one. Here's a newsflash, and this is a revelation that I received um, on the way to church. You are not a robot. You thought it was going to be deep. But you, sir, are not a robot. Our hearts are the temple for the Holy Spirit, and our hands can demonstrate the holiness of God. But you're too busy. And the idols of this world has our focus, but pausing can help get our focus back. So uh, many of us, we live in two camps, the camps of distraction or the camp of discouragement. Where are you at? Bad English. Where are you? Satan uses three primary tools. He uses um, fear, physical exhaustion, and isolation from others. So when we're fearful, we need to remember the presence of God. And when we are exhausted, we need to learn how to rest and replenish. And we want to, when we want to isolate, we need to draw closer to God. But the mistake that most of us make is trying to figure out how to fit a little bit of God into our busy lives. I want you to pause and think about that. We're trying to fit a little bit of God into a busy life, but we need to begin with God and center our lives around him. Now, someone just heard, oh, he wants me to go to church more. No, I want us to spend time with God more. If the only time we spend time with God is on Sunday at 10.33 to around about 12. No wonder we're so tired throughout the week. It's like deciding to obey all traffic laws on Sunday, but driving bananas Monday through Saturday and keep saying, I keep getting a ticket. They about to take my license. And so there's something has to happen because, um, because of these idols, we have things in our lives. And, and here's, I'm, I'm talking to ministry workers, but I'm talking about all of us. Um, we must be careful not to attempt to get out of ministry what we can only get from God. We got to be careful not to, um, not to put too much into our marriages that become idols. So this season, I'm going to put everything I am into my marriage. Well, what does that actually mean? This season is all about me. 
I'm going to focus on me. What does that actually mean? And so we're going to stand together and we're going to read Psalms. And this is going to be something different. We're going to read Psalms in two versions. All right? Now let's stand up, please, and let's read uh, the book of Psalms. All right. Before we get started, let's see if we could do this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Amen. Let's read it in another version, if you have that. Justin, you do not. All right, so let me read, uh, y'all stand, and let me read um, the NLT version. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Listen to these words. He lets me rest in green meadows. I want you to see the imagery and the vision. Just, Just see it in your mind. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Man, you may be seated. I want us to pause and think about what he's, what the psalm writer, um, the psalmist is saying. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So Exodus, in Exodus, Moses runs into God, um, on a mountain, and many of us who have who've attended any Sunday school, um, we hear about the burning bush and Moses taking off his shoes, and he has a rod in his hand, and he's a shepherd, and he's been shepherding sheep in the wilderness, and uh, he, he meets God, and God says, takes off your sandals, this is holy ground. So, so Moses takes off his uh, sandals, and um, he gets the mission. He gets the assignment. And then... Um, I mean, reluctantly, because the gravity of what God is instructing Moses to do is heavy. I want you to lead people. I don't care how many people you, <laughs> that means leading people is difficult. So Moses says, okay, I'll do it. But when the people ask who, 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 who this God is, what am I going to say? 
And then God responds, I am that I am. So you, some, sometimes you read that, it's I am who I will be. And sometimes you read it, I am who, I, so, but here's the thing that I just realized, that when Moses goes to the people, he couldn't say, um, well, 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 who do you come in? I am that I am sent me. Doesn't make sense because I speaks to Moses. So he actually said, he is who he is sent me. And what does that mean? That means to us, who is God to you? When he says, I am that I am, he's lit- God is literally talking to Moses. But when Moses talks to the people, he says, he is sent me. So when, so when you see the, uh, when you see, I spoke briefly about this last week. So when you see Lord capitalized, the, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's referring to the name of God. The big point is that God reveals himself through his nature and his character. How does he do it? So when, the pe- when Abraham needed uh, God to supply his needs, he called God El Shaddai. El Shaddai means the Lord God Almighty. That, therefore, for Abraham, God revealed himself through his name, and Abraham said El Shaddai. When, when, um, when Abraham needed, uh, was, going, was instructed to, to sacrifice Isaac, remember the story? So he was going to sacrifice Isaac, but then there was a ram in the bush. He called him Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. And so the name of God reveals his character. And so when we have experience with God, Tiffany, we may not know him by that name. I give you an example. Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. Now, God may never have healed you in your mind, so you may not call him Jehovah um, Rapha. God is a banner. When the armies are preparing to fight, you wave the banner because the banner helps the military keep focus. And so when the, when the Egyptians, I mean, when the Israelites were saying that the Lord is my banner, they were saying, hey, we're going to war and we need to focus on the reason that we're fighting, Jehovah Nisi. God reveals his nature by his name. The Lord and then when David, is, when David is writing the Psalms, he says, the Lord, the name of God revealed to him. And oftentimes, Tiffany, what I'm realizing, that I'm walking with people that the Lord has revealed himself in a way that I haven't experienced. And so it's not personal. You don't know God as a provider until he provides. And so you don't know God as a healer until he heals you. And so sometimes what we do is we limit God because of our experience. And so if we don't know God as healer, then we don't ask him to heal. If we don't know God as a general who fights our battles, then we don't say Jehovah Nisi. And God reveals his nature through his character. And his character is revealed to us by experiencing him. So when David says the Lord, he's not just pinning words. It's something special to David. And we have lost the reverence of the Lord. We use his name in vain. So the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of this church, the Christ Jesus, he says, listen, whatever you do, don't take my name in vain. Because you're going to need that name. 
And so what happens, Tiffany, over time, we become so familiar with, with God that we forget to reverence him. The Lord is my shepherd. And that's why we can read scriptures and feel nothing. they just words. Atheists read, read the Bible. Gnostics read the Bible. But God has to reveal himself to us. So the pleasure that we have is God is revealing himself to us. If you don't know him as healer, just live long enough and you will. See, I am realizing that Elohim, I'm realizing that Rapha, I'm realizing that Shammah or Tiskanu, the Lord, our righteousness, he reveals himself. And the people of God are missing out the many names of God. And the many names of God is based on our experience with God. And that's why some of us can get into his presence. And like David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord because something was keeping David from the house of the Lord. And so we thought that it was going to be COVID that brings people back. We thought that it was going to be online services. We thought it's going to be all of this outreach. And what happens is we have lost the reverence of God. The Lord is my shepherd. See, I have a public confession, but I have private relationship. Something happens when we stop going through these routines and we take pause enough. Why would David say the Lord and use his name Yahweh? The name that we don't even utter. Dion, that's the reverence they had. They didn't even say his name. And when they wrote it, just to, just to make sure you don't slip and say his name, they would take out the vowels. They took the vowels out and they stopped saying Yahweh. They said, oh, Adonai. Because we're going to reverence Yahweh because that's his name and his name was revealed to us. And here, here I am wondering, has he revealed his name to the people of God? Because his character and his nature, something happens when I think on that name. Because that name is history with me. That name is history with God's church. That name should mean something even in the darkest of your valleys. You call on that name. And that's why when David is writing the Psalms, but see, we keep reading over Scripture. We keep going to the next thing. We don't pause enough to, to study every word. The Lord. I want you to think about this. Little old you, and he knows your name. As busy as God is, he hears your prayers. Something should stir in you. Because newsflash, you know you. Sometimes I wake up angry at myself. For no other reason, I'm just mad at myself. But then I capture myself, I catch myself, and all of a sudden, it's, Lord, everyone and everything belongs to you. And I push past how I feel. And my focus is the banner of God now. And so when I hear Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah was a substitute for Yahweh. We messed it up in the translation, but Yahweh is his name. And so the, 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 the culture was surrounding it and said, listen, we want to honor him and reverence him. We don't even want to say his name. And David said, the Lord. And then David uses his own experience. 
and says, the creator of the universe, the line of Judah, and all these attributes that I've read about, that I've experienced, it comes down, the Lord is mine. I want you to hear this. David is writing, and he says, the Lord is mine. Oh, but what, but what words? But what words do I have? Like, what, what, who, he is. I am that I am. He is that he is. So what is, he, what is it that he's to me? And so David spends his youth tending sheep. And David fell in love with his sheep, and David was providing for his sheep and protecting his sheep. You look through David's history, and David fought a bear and lions and tigers, oh my, to protect his sheep. And David was skilled, and David would carry a horn full of oil because sheep are not the most intelligent beings. And so David would, 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 would take care of the sheep, protect the sheep, feed the sheep, and then he realized he had the revelation. His experience with God in the everyday changed how he saw God. And he says, the only thing, one of the things that I can relate to God with is the Lord is my shepherd. Because David knew he wasn't the smartest. David knew he had a tendency to roam. And like a shepherd, a shepherd will keep the sheep closed. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Because as I was protecting, providing for, and holding, and all these things for God, for, for my sheep, David says, God is like that. Now, what we think of God, Alex, is incomplete because our minds are finite. And remember, we cannot diminish who God is based on our experience. Some of us are demonstrative in our worship, and we sit in judgment and say, it don't take all that. For you, it might not. But for me, it does. <laughs> Why don't we sing hymns? I remember when we used to sing hymns and the whole church was on fire. Okay, you sing hymns. I might want some Maverick City. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he realized that who's responsible for tending to the sheep? It's the shepherd. So he goes from the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. The experience, see, see, here's the beauty. We don't know what we would do under any circumstance. And sometimes we watch people that don't have circumstances um, that we have endured, and we say things like, they just need to be faithful. They just need to pray. Listen, until you walk the mile in someone's shoes, you best keep your mouth closed. Because at any given time, you don't know what you would do. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's personal. The one and true living God is my shepherd. The one and true living God is my shepherd. Think for a moment the gravity of the word, the, the, the name of God, Yahweh, in the reverence and and, and we don't write his name and we don't say his name. Think about the gravity of that name. And now think about the relational aspect of a shepherd. I need for you to, to, to pause in this moment and just ask the Lord to reveal these next few moments that we're going to be talking about.
So just pause. I want you to understand and say this and, and think of these things. The Lord means he has authority over me. I surrender my will and ways to him. I am his. Lord, the author and architect of the universe, scripture says he holds the worlds together. I am his. Now think about what a shepherd does. The shepherd lives with the flock. He protects and provides for the sheep. David is saying, I believe in God. I believe that God cares. And I believe that God cares for me. That the father, God is a father and a shepherd. And David, who wrote this Psalms, is saying that in our anxious, nervous world, the shepherd, the good shepherd, we can depend on him. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Shepherds guide the sheep. In this moment of pausing, pause for a moment. Do you need guidance? And ask God now to give you guidance. And name right now. Put it in your phone. Write it down. Name what you need help with right now. Pause enough not to just hear me yap for the next 10 minutes. Pause, pause long enough to say, Lord, I do need guidance. You are my shepherd. And this is specifically what I need guidance for. Remember, he is the shepherd. We are his sheep. After understanding this, David says, I have what I need. Pause. What do you need? Some of us are facing um, uh, rent increases. Some of us are facing like doubts on our jobs. Can we pause long enough to tell the great shepherd, to ask the great shepherd to guide us through these dark valleys? The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Pause. Verse number two, this is crazy. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, which means sometimes the waters beside us are noisy. Now, the King James Version, the same version that Jesus used. <laughs> That's funny. I got some Jesus, King James Version, only friends, and uh, they hate that joke. Um, the King James Version says, he makes me to lie down. So if you think about this, he lets me lie down in green pastures. The Lord as shepherd knew how to make David rest. Did you hear it? So I'm going to take David's name out. I want you to put your name in it. Blank, he knows how to make you rest. We're sheep. And here's the 
look, we're sheep, and I'm calling all of us, we're like sheep, and I'll be nice. Sheep are not intelligent. As a shepherd, he recognizes that sheep don't always know what it needs and what is best for itself. And so they need help from the shepherd. And sometimes sheep don't know how to stop. So the shepherd has to make them. I don't know what's going on in your life, but could it be that um, uh, that interrupted program is God making you rest? Because we don't have sense enough to rest. And so sometimes he disrupts our plans. The scripture says it. Man plans, but it's the Lord who directs. He's the shepherd. And he sees that his sheep, oh, here they go again. There they go. They're about to, they're about to get up early and go to bed late and still not getting it done. And here's what's so crazy. Slowly, this is the centering of our lives, and slowly because of the deadlines or something like this, this is how far we keep walking from the center. So he says, okay, I'm going to let you keep going this time. And that's why when David writes, he makes me lie down. And where did he make me, make me lie down? He makes me lie down in green pastures because laying everywhere ain't beneficial. Yeah, laying with her ain't beneficial. I went there. Laying with him ain't beneficial. They ain't green pastures, they nasty ones. And so if we're going to be a people of God, that he, he's the shepherd. I understand we sing songs about him being Lord. But is he, though? Because our behavior determines if he, okay. For some of us, busyness is really avoidance. You don't want to have that conversation. So you say things like right now, I just got so much on my plate, I can't. You've been avoiding You've been avoiding confronting those marital problems, confronting those health problems, confronting those financial problems, confronting those relational problems, and so you're just too busy. But I'm always amazed at Jesus. Now, Jesus had a small amount of time, and look at what he got done. And then had these crazy rhythms. Jesus, where you at? I mean, I was out resting. He will rise up early in the morning and go and come back because Jesus had these rhythms of rest. Then he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The shepherd also knew the good places to make his sheep rest. He faithfully guides them, guides the sheep to green pastures. But the challenge with that Tiffany, the challenge with that is that sometimes those green pastures are through valleys. And ain't none of us want to go through no valley. Yeah, he's directing us through valleys. 
But on the other side of that valley, Anita, it's green pastures. And so because we're so crazy, um, Philip Keller says this about sheep, that sheep are uh, natural, timid animals. And so when, ten, when, 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 when sheep are afraid, they don't know how to rest. And, and, and sheep, um, if there's friction or if there's threats or anxiety, they don't know how to rest. If, uh, if there's flies or parasites around that keeps annoying them and agitating them, they don't know how to rest. Um, if there's no food in the land, there's famine, uh, they don't know how to rest. And so when the, the shepherd makes the sheep rest, it's because he's provided a remedy for all those things. And so could it be the famine in your life is an indication that you need to give it to the shepherd? And so here's what's crazy. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with the fear. Rest comes because the shepherd is doing the feeding. Rest comes because the shepherd is doing with is, is, is providing remedy and relief from those flies. And what's crazy, the flies of this world get caught up in the wool of the sheep. And the wool of the sheep weigh it down. So could it be that this excess baggage that you're carrying, God is trying to cut it? But the problem is the sheep don't know what's best for it. And so what God is trying to cut, you keep moving. Eventually, the, the wool begins to weigh down the sheep and it distorts their vision. And it's those sheep that wander and is lost, Tiffany. And so when, the, so when Jesus says that the good shepherd goes off the lost sheep, it's because that sheep is wandering. But the excess wool of that sheep hampers mobility. And what's crazy is, what is the wool in your life? What is what you're carrying that God wants you to cut? Allow him to cut. Because here's the crazy part. You know what can get trapped in your wool? Can't preach it like I want to. (laughs) Feces and urine. And that stuff is attracting flies and parasites. And that stuff is attracting maggots. And the maggots are attaching itself to the sheep, infecting the sheep. Because we won't let God shear the sheep. And the reality of it is, my brothers and my sisters, the shepherd trims the sheep for prevention of disease and protection. So I want you to look at yourself and say this. Stop resisting the cutting. Stop resisting the cutting. Because the shearing of the sheep is necessary for growth. And this is David's first two verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
That was Pastor Antoine with our series, Pause. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Charlotte or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.